don't forget to put on SPF because if you get too close to this sun, you will feel the burn. It's a lot of words. Whether it's business or economy, I have no class. So much better than my essay version. (laughs) You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 450-something. I don't know. Leave me alone. And I am so excited for a little Labor Day special episode with a labor of love, no labor required, all the love in the world for this, pretend that was eloquent, for this return guest. You know him as founder and president of the Real Housewives Institute and author of the New York Times bestseller, The Housewives, The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives, Dame Brian Moylan. Dame Moylan, how are we? I'm good. Do you know what they call Labor Day in England where I live? Uh, Just another day? Monday. Yes. That's what they call <laughs> Yeah. It's Monday. It's Monday. Oh. Just Monday. <laughs> I truly, I mean, it is, it's a, you know, we support the writers we support the actors we support all the unions in the world we need a podcasting union get that shit going i mean would you join bethany's real housewives union that would be honestly an honor to be nominated and if i was like oh do you are do you give a shit about anybody else in like other tertiary corners not that i think podcasters you need to be unionized by the (laughs) way but (laughs) can you imagine Have I asked you this question? Because I've been asking it a lot lately, which is like, if the housewives were to unionize and you were a housewife, (laughs) who would you select as your like union steward? Like who would be the Fran Drescher of the housewives union? Who would you want to elect? Oh my God. Such an excellent question. I mean, I don't know from a personality uh, perspective and someone who I think could be a good go between, between like, you know, myself and my fellow housewives and whatever network um, uh, wild folk are pushing back. Maybe Dolores from a personality perspective. I also think that's right. That's a good call. That's a good call. Were you going to say Candy Bird? Yeah, I was going to say Candy because I think, you know, she knows how to enact change inside the company. She's very, very well regarded. I think she's a great business person and That's kind of like, you know, people are saying she's maybe a little tapped out of Atlanta. Who wouldn't be with this season? Um, Yes. But I think she could be great. What what would your response be? And what have other people said? Candy is a good one. Mm -hmm. And that's one of mine. Because it's like, if anyone knows how to negotiate, it's Candy Burris. Mm -hmm. But mine might be a little controversial. And it's because she asks the hard questions. Emily Simpson. And she's good at negotiating. Emily Simpson. I was just thinking. She's a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Then I was like, in my head, I was like, who are the lawyers? And I'm like, not Aviva. Shannon allegedly went to class. Meredith Brooks? No. No. (laughs) Or Meredith Marks. Meredith Brooks. I'm a bitch. I'm a liar. I'm your union steward. I'm a housewife. No one got that joke except for us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Yeah, I, I, uh, the idea that 
that uh, Salt Lake is looming does feel like a little bit of a fever dream. It feels a little bit like a threat. Like the fact that Salt Lake is here <laughs> feels like a threat. No, I think Emily is a great, I think Emily is a great, um, a, a, a great suggestion, a great idea. Yeah, I, that's my, that's where I've kind of like honed in is on a Emily Simpson. That's where I'm, Yeah. <laughs> Your face just got a little squirrely when you said that. It was like you were- I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I love Emily Simpson. I do not want to discuss politics with her, Mm -hmm. but um, she gives me everything I need from a housewife. She always remembers what happened. She asks the hard questions. She'll hold people accountable. She'll fly into a rage on occasion. You know, like- what more do we need? She looks great. She looks great. I think the thing that people have said before that I don't know, I don't know that this works as well this season is the idea that like Emily is there and she just kind of like shits on people and there are no stakes. And I think of that moment where she's just kind of like, actually, she did this a couple times. She did this on the FaceTime. She did this at that costume party where she's like yelling at Shannon. And you can tell that she, there are stakes there, that she's invested, that she's like genuinely upset. Yes. So it's not, it's no longer the conversation or critique, I think as much of like, she doesn't really care about Shannon or she's just like kind of fucking with her because you can tell that there's actually a relationship there, which I think is very, very important, especially when it comes to their conflict. Well, I think what is interesting about their conflict is it reminds me so much of the Dorinda Tinsley conflict Mm. where Dorinda was mad that Tinsley wasn't being honest about her life, you know, was really living in a hotel, was or was not with the guy she said she was with, you know, and Dorinda was like, we give everything to the show and you're giving nothing. But the difference is, you know, Emily feels the same way as Dorinda, but Emily's not a super mean alcoholic about it. (laughs) And so like in the last one, I was on Tinsley's side because I was like, Dorinda, leave her the fuck alone. But now I'm on Emily's side because I'm like, yeah, Shannon, like you need to give as much as everybody else gives. I know you're a Shannon Stan. You know, I hashtag Stan for Shan. I also think with Dorinda, it's she has so much like sort of misdirected rage that became very focused on Tinsley. And what I think about when I think about her last reunion is the ways that Andy tried to help her of being like, we need to find resolution here. Like, do you understand? Like, I assumed that between filming and the reunion, there would be some sort of awareness that you were going too far. And yet she continued, she continued, oh my God, she continued to, (laughs) (laughs) she continued to escalate her rage and never understood or refused to understand the fact that there was a lot of darkness there that she was projecting onto Tinsley. I don't see any of that when it comes to like meanness and cruelty with Emily and Shannon. I see genuine like empathy for Shannon, but also frustration, genuine frustration. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Like, I don't think Emily's a bad person. I, I mean, there are definitely some housewives who I think are, but she seems like a decent person who, yeah, like, you know, she has not her best friend, but she cares about her. And I'm here for Emily, all Emily Simpson's needs. Um, I like, 
there, I always say, you know, I love that as a fandom, we all have different opinions about all the women and that everybody's opinions are valid. And I love hearing them, blah, blah, blah. But I really don't understand the very vocal anti-Gina Emily faction of the fandom. I think that people, when it came to Gina, the idea and sort of LOL of Gina's initial hair and Gina's casita became her reputation, that her surroundings and the persona of her as like somewhat with like a little gingerly LOL when it came to her style or whatever else. Meanwhile, like making fun of style in Orange County is hilarious. But um, but genuinely, like the idea of her (laughs) as like not related to the concept of escapism became frustrating. And I also think that when Vicky got demoted and then let go, that there was a frustration that the OG was not a part of the cast still and her quote unquote replacement was that I think the the idea of Vicky being gone is connected to an animosity about Emily and Gina. But I agree. I think it's like, especially related to Emily, I think it's it's at this point an undeserved critique. No, absolutely. I yeah. Um how are you feeling about Orange County this season in Jen? I'm obsessed with it. It's giving me everything that I need. You know, we were talking before about our experiences watching um, Atlanta so far this season. And I do want to get your thoughts a little bit on that, I guess. And also New York. And the thing with Orange County is that it has been so reliable this season and such a surprise. I never expected for Orange County to be this good And it just feels like everybody is firing on all cylinders. There's so many levels of stakes. There are so many different kinds of friendships. Jen was excellent casting. I fucking, I love all of it. I'm excited for the reunion. I almost don't care how the reunion goes because I'm so happy with the season itself. It's just giving me what I want. It feels like classic housewives and it feels connected to Orange County, but also the next era, which I'm really into noting there are some people who've been there for a long fucking time. I'm into it. What What's your reaction and how surprised were you? I'm feeling the same way. I do. And, and I will start with saying that my bar for OC is mm. very low mm-hmm. because it's been like so bad for so long. Um, but yeah, I'm just happy to get it back into like a nice like three out of five stars kind of place, you know, like back to not being like, oh my God, this was terrible. Um, So yeah, I'm happy. And it's been very interesting to me to see how much better it was bringing back Tamara than it was bringing back Heather Dubrow. Okay, I get why there could be the idea or understanding that maybe Tamara potentially could be seen as a better investment. But don't you think that Heather is giving this season and even in just being a foil? Yeah, but I just think that they wanted Heather to be like this kind of like savior. Mm -hmm. And like Heather was never that player. Like she's great to have on your team, but she's not the star of the team. I, why did I pick a sports metaphor? Like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) But like, yeah, like I think Heather is a good ensemble player, but she's not gonna like reorganize the dynamic of a group in the way that Tamra like 
already has. And production calls her camera Tamra because when the camera goes on, she's like, they're bringing it. And we've seen her there and bringing it. And I like that we got to see Cut Fitness clothes and them like struggling with it. And what are we going to do now? And, you know, I think that she's brought some great stuff to it. Also, I mean, who else other than Tamra would like get your friend on the show and then totally fucking sell her out for drama? Truly. I mean, and there's some like... She's ruthless. She's ruthless. And she, she seems really fucking pissed at Jen. Like her... Her explanation of this is this woman came on the show and she's lying about her relationship. And when I try to call her out or LOL reason with her, she continues to double down. And I think it's ridiculous. Well, and I think that in the first few episodes, you kind of see Tamara like warn her, like tell the truth, tell the truth. And like, I could see how Jen saw that as like a threat, like you better tell the truth. But I think Tamara was saying, if you like... I know what happens if you're on here and you lie and it's not good and you're doing that. Like, I'm warning you not to make this mistake, which is how I read it. And I don't think Jen embraced Tamara's advice and is now paying the price for it. Why do you think Tamara is so invested in Jen potentially sharing that her relationship is not on the greatest course? I thought it was more when she was warning her, it was more about like the timeline and whether or not Uh. she cheated and like all that. And yeah. And because I think Tamara knows that once you're on Housewives, like the truth is going to come out one way or another. And if the more upfront you are, the better and authentic you are, the better you're going to come off. And, you know, and Jen made the mistake of like, what looks like lying to us. <laughs> I mean, you know, about like, no, I didn't sleep with him until I filed for divorce. And it's like, mm, did you though? Yeah, but Jen, that, <laughs> that whole car conversation of like, we were just exchanging gifts. It's like, oh, okay, what gift? What gift yeah. are you giving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we talking about yeah. here? I mean, she gave the gift that keeps on giving. She did give the gift that keeps on giving. Um, but for religious reasons, I never will. And so shalom to that. Um, listen, shifting gears, <laughs> gears a little bit, I do want to touch a little bit on Atlanta because there have been rumors going around this week, as there always are, that there's going to be some sort of massive reboot. The whole cast is out. And then there was an update. It's not the whole cast, but, you know, three cast members, meaning Sheree, Kenya and Candy are going to stay and everybody else is being cut. And then the next response is none of that is true. And the network is still deciding. What's your kind of sense of things of how Atlanta moves forward? And what has your experience been in watching the season so far? My experience watching this season has been mostly playing Candy Crush stoned while I ignore it Mm. on the television because I feel like a duty to keep abreast of it. But like, there's not one storyline that interests me. Candy, I love, but it's checked out. Kenya is one of my favorite all-time housewives, but like she's been saddled with Marlo trying to make up these fake stories. Meanwhile, Marlo is coming for Kenya about her fake boyfriends of the past, and she has the fakest boyfriend we ever seen on Bravo ever. 
Like, I really genuinely feel like this season of Atlanta was one of the worst seasons of Housewives we've ever wow. experienced. Sorry. And, um, yeah, and I think that, I don't think San- Sonia, it's Sanya, Sonia? I, they call, everyone calls her a different pronunciation. I thought it was Sonia, but then people say Sanya, so I really don't know. I always thought Sanya, she's related to Tanya, our old uh, friend friend uh, from Canada. Um, San- I don't think Sanya's, Sanya's cut out for this. Drew is probably my least favorite housewife of all time. She's just corny and dumb oh. and making shit up and none of it matters. Um, I think Marlo was better as a friend of. I know I campaigned for her peach for a long mm-hmm. time, but... I get it because she's bringing this like fake nonsense into it. And yeah. And so I'm just not here for it. Yeah. Candy's totally checked out. Um, Sheree is great always and has been great this season and never should have been fired even once. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But so my question to you is, and I was thinking about this as we were getting all of these reports of reboots, blah, blah, blah. In a post Jenna Lyons reboot world. Can we do another New York season five where you fire half the cast or do we need to fire the whole cast? Like, is it worth keeping anybody at this point? I think it's to me less of a conversation of calling the entire cast, which I would really genuinely hate to see happen. I don't think we're in the same position in Atlanta that we were in in New York. I really genuinely don't think it's necessary. And it would be to me a little heartbreaking because I think it would be too much of a kind of redirect. I think the question is like from a production perspective, whomever was the steward this season, which doesn't mean only the EP, but just like really the production company behind this, the last couple seasons have not been great. And I just think from a casting perspective, certainly there needs to be a shakeup in the cast. But I think more of like, can we get a different team behind the scenes because their instincts when it comes to some of this stuff, surely the cast matters. There's like only so much you can do with Marlo, for example. She only wants to go in a specific direction. So there is a cast element, but I also think like your instincts for where you think the storyline is from an editing perspective, from like an on the ground perspective, just doesn't to me line up with what Atlanta should be. It just isn't giving me... This season is not giving me prestige storytelling, and I don't think that's only a cast issue. No, I agree with you. And there's something... So it's really interesting about Atlanta where this season, they've made it look better. And like the music's better. Mm-hmm. The the like graphics are better. The cuts are better. They're doing the like slow motion, like walking in, whatever. All of that is better. But there's something about it that feels down market to me in a way that it hasn't in the past. And I can't put my finger on it. And and it feels specific to Atlanta. Maybe it's just me bringing this, you know, because I don't, don't like many of the women, like, thinking that. But there's something about it that doesn't seem, I don't know, quite as, like, cool and exciting as it used to feel. Yeah, to me, it doesn't feel prestige. And it's disappointing because I feel like, you know, I was watching, I watched the first part of the reunion and I was just thinking to myself while watching, like, 
there's not really a lot for me to talk about here. It just honestly felt, I have to be really honest, like I felt just kind of like sad that I was watching it, honestly, and like kind of checked out because it doesn't feel it it feels like there's probably a lot of energy from the cast to like want to be able to deliver, but it doesn't it, it's certainly to me not delivering. And it just feels like they deserve so much better than this. And we, the audience, yeah. deserve so much better than this. And I think it's entirely possible. Like, I don't think I'm being too optimistic when I, but maybe I am when I say like, they really don't need to do a full reset in Atlanta. And part of the reason why Atlanta is so incredible is because of the casting, is because of the history of yes. superstars. Like, I think it matters more on Atlanta go with me on this, then maybe in New York that there are OGs remaining. Like Sheree, Chateau Sheree, like the not inviting Nini to the fucking parties, her divorce party season one. Like I think history is really important with some of these cast members and it's more important on some franchises more than others. Like I would argue it's more important to have OGs on Atlanta than several of the existing franchises that we have. I also think that because Sheree and Nene and Kim and like all those people had history before the show started, which I also think it's like Ramona and Jill Zarin. You know what I mean? It's like having that level around where it's become clearer and clearer to me as the weeks go on that the women on New York don't know each other at all. And like, and I think that that is a problem in recasting like uh, if you were to do a total reboot it you know i think that that's how it's hard to get those like organic groups of women again like we did in the early years i think i also don't think that it's one of the worst seasons of i personally don't think it's one of the worst seasons of any franchise i wouldn't put it in that bucket i would say it's got a bigger problem which is that it's boring like at least there could be something more to talk about if i was like filled with fury about this season i'm just honestly i'm just like excited that the reunion i think is only two parts and it's almost over that we only have one week left because i think these women deserve more and i can't believe you called it down market like the idea of calling atlanta like but it's yeah not being i feel like they're not being respected i feel like the cast the storyline the 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 idea the universe by me or in general in general i feel like okay not by you but i think like in general like atlanta is Atlanta deserves so much praise for establishing a specific universe of housewives that was always very quick and very funny and very smart. And I just feel like Atlanta as a concept isn't being respected by what we are receiving right now. They deserve more better than this. The audience deserves better than this. The cast deserves better than this. And when I'm watching the reunion and I'm like feeling like I'm supposed to laugh at stuff, I'm like, you, this isn't Atlanta's too good for what I'm seeing. Like this isn't, I just disconnect. No, you're absolutely correct. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French 
bravoholic for other matters of life. That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. <laughs> Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un 
unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Um, I have two questions for oh my, you. I love that this you. is like a Q&A to Sarah. I feel like I should be doing something. Am I not doing anything? I'm into this. I'm into this. Well, this is my problem. I'm like a reporter and then I just go into like interview oh mode. Oh my God. And like I love it. No, lavish me with questions, Sarah Galley. Okay. First one is Atlanta related. Okay. And I don't, I am ideologically opposed to bringbacks, but... What if this were the cast of next season? I already hate it, but okay. It is Candy, Sheree, and Kenya back from last season. Okay. And we're adding Nene Leakes, Kim Zolciak Bierman, and Portia Williams. I think I am super open to Nini coming back. I think that Nini is super open to Nini coming back. I don't know that Bravo. I don't think Andy Cohen. I don't think Andy Cohen is. And I watched her interview with Carlos and she had a lot of good stuff to say about him and wanting to like heal their relationship. But I don't, I think Andy has a really long memory and regardless of how you feel about how their fight escalated, it's going to be really hard for him to attempt to forget what she said about social on on social regardless of how you feel about how nini was treated and that's an extremely big regardless and portia i don't think they're gonna be able to pay her what she feels she deserves like i think this is portia sort of in honestly a caroline manzo situation in that caroline at one point was like i will come back but it needs to be a really big check and new jersey either decided they couldn't afford it or they refused to and i think and that's specific to coming back to new jersey not like offshoot series i think with Portia, she's going to want a big fucking check. And I just don't know if they have Candy in the cast, who's like one of the highest paid housewives, allegedly, if not the highest. I just don't know, based on the, the sense of things. This is the problem when you have a tough season of housewives is like the idea then of making big moves and bringing back people who I would consider all stars. I'm thinking to myself, like, how much do they have invested in this? Like, how much are they willing to pay some like significant return housewives to turn this around or is the network thinking to themselves well the reaction wasn't great so maybe this is not the season to do this I don't know but I do have to say like I would be into Nini returning I don't know how realistic that is I would be into Portia returning Kim I think the Kim stuff is so fucking dark when it comes to Croy and I think there's genuine animus between her and 
I mean, at least Kenya that I just think is like, I don't necessarily want to see that because I think Kim in many ways is very cringe and I'm okay with her last return. I'm okay with her making a cameo, but I don't know what she would do that's helpful. And what what is your reaction? What's your response? I mean, I think I'm with you. Hard pass on Kim forever. And I think that I'm fine with Atlanta being an entirely black space. And I think that that's probably like for the best Um, in regards to Kim on top of everything you said, like she's dark, she's fucking mean. I can't look at her face anymore. Like all of that. Um, And I agree with the salaries. And I think part of, I know that, from when I was doing research on the book, which was now, you know, a few years ago, but even then they were trying to get the salaries down. Um, and I think that that's what like firing and rehiring Tamra's about is like you fire Tamra for two seasons and then, and then you, you bring her back. Yeah. At like half as much as she was making or whatever. Um, so that's my thing to Portia is I don't disagree with you. She deserves a lot of money, but where else is the check coming from? You know what I mean? And like how long before she starts to like lose the platform if she's not on it. But also I think it's interesting in that it's like if to go back to a sports analogy, I'm sorry. If you're like the manager of a football team and you're like, I'm going to spend a lot of money on great players because I know they'll win games and I know there'll be like a result, like fine. But even if you pay for all these great people to show up, you still can't promise a great season of housewives. You know, like you can never really promise a great season. Like there are definitely people who you have a better shot of making a great season with, but it's like you put them all together and then they don't want to hang out or they don't want to talk about their lives or Nini's checked out again or Candy's checked out again or whatever. It does, you know, I would be like, pay the women what they're worth, but also like, can they deliver? I think is the question. Well, I think, you know, Nini made a lot of points in her interview with Carlos King and something that she said that I really agreed with was when she was talking about Kenya being checked out and essentially saying, regardless of our history with each other, Kenya appear and it didn't feel to me like it was like an insult directed at minimizing Kenya's contribution. She was essentially saying Kenya seems checked out this season because there's nobody really at her level to, you know, uh, essentially perform with like there's nobody at her level for her to really engage with. And I thought that was a really valid point. And One of the reasons why, yeah, one could argue that maybe bringing some people back would be a good idea. I think the Nini situation is going to remain an understandably uncomfortable one that the network is probably not going to want to acknowledge. And the idea of Kim coming back, when it comes to the conversation that Nini has had through her lawsuit, through her, you know, press interviews about the ways that Kim was treated differently than the rest of the cast. Yeah. She makes an incredibly, to me, valid argument that does raise a lot of eyebrows about why Kim was allowed to miss vacations, miss trips when the rest of the cast was not. Why the idea of like Kim as a parent not um, needing to be there for specific events when all the majority of the other women are parents as well. Like, 
why of allegedly some of her behavior behind the scenes like that does raise a lot of questions and a lot of eyebrows about the ways that some franchises are cast of some franchises are treated differently than others and within the construct of Atlanta Kim was the only white woman on the cast and if she was treated differently than the rest of her cast when it came to even attendance alone plus everything else plus her behavior I don't know. I I think that that's a valid conversation that people should listen to. And with that in my mind, I'm like, should Kim come back? Like, not only do I not really want to understand what delivering means to Kim, but I don't know that I really am okay with the price of that. Like, I'm not okay with Kim coming back and being paid money she obviously desperately needs if she's going to be treated better than other people in the cast if I don't know who's like still behind the scenes who was there during her chapter on uh, Atlanta. I don't know if she was treated differently when she returned. I don't know if this was from a decade ago or not, but I do think it's valid to listen to and keep in mind. No, I, I completely agree with all of that. But going to your point of different cast members being treated differently, my worry is if you do a, uh, partial reboot of Atlanta. So it's like, all right, let's say you keep the cheap ones, which are like Sonya, Marlo, Drew, that show fucking sucks. But then if you keep the expensive ones, the candy, uh, Kenya, Kenya, Sheree, maybe Sheree, but I bet Sheree is probably cheap. I think Sheree's probably in the middle of the, of the two, cause she's been fired twice. Yeah. But you keep the three of them. How are they going to treat three new ladies? Like not well. And so then that's just it's then it's like new versus old. And then it's like when they when they brought in like Charlie and Danica and all them onto Vanderpump Rules where you're like, why do I care about these assholes? Like, give me the people I like. So, yeah, it, you're it's kind of rock and hard place in that, you know. Which is why I'm glad I just have to talk about this shit <laughs> this rather than making it. Everybody sounds like a fucking <laughs> casting expert. And this is why I'm really grateful that I have said so many times repeatedly that I don't know what the fuck to do. And I'm not pretending that I have no, the me answer. Neither. This is just like a sort of befuddled, confused opinion from my uh, from me because I really don't know how to handle it. But I do know that like when it comes to like finding a housewife who feels at the same level of the existing cast, I mean, Jen was great casting on Orange County. It can be done after a series of one-offs. Like it can happen. I just don't know because the problem with Atlanta feels greater in scope but I do think it's really solvable I just I don't have the answer but I I I really I just my personal opinion is I believe it's not the cast's fault I like believe that there's just some sort of systemic storytelling something that is obviously affected and influenced by casting but I don't think it will be resolved by with casting like I think that there's other stuff that needs to be tweaked because I don't think the instincts here I mean at the end of the day like with editing you can only do so much with what you've been presented but also what you're choosing to highlight is not it so I don't know it's going to be a to be continued to be determined I do want to shift a little bit to New York because the idea of how do you figure out the levels here in terms of like internal superiority or anything else, 
obviously seems to be at the foundation of some of this looming conflict, discomfort, or frustration between the majority of the cast and Jenna, what's your kind of reaction to a little bit of a fame or success-based potential othering? Um, It's really interesting because I... It, one of my mantras in my recaps is all fights on the show are about the show, mm -hmm. but usually it takes to season two because when you have like for Salt Lake, for instance, you have all these women from Salt Lake City, never been on the show, don't know how a reality show's made, don't know like what's going on. They think it's going to be fun. They think they're going to be famous, like whatever. Great. Um, it takes until the second season for it to be about the show because it's like they have to have filmed the show, watched the show, reacted to the show, and then they start arguing with the show. The, I feel like that is not true in New York and that they showed up fighting about the show from the beginning. Like, they were mad about Aaron's sponsors because they didn't think about it first. Wait, like, they were mad they, about Jenna's sponsors? No, about Aaron oh, oh, getting party, that party. Oh, party. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Like, they were mad about that because they didn't think of it first. I feel the same way about, like, Jenna and the gifts. Is there, like, wait, why is Jenna presenting gifts and, like, tagging her friends when we're not? You know? And... Um, and, and it's like size mad that Jenna's trying to get people on her Instagram or Bryn is like, oh, Jenna just wants me to post on Instagram. And it's like, girl, before the show started, Jenna had like 10 times as many followers right. as you did. Like she doesn't need you to post this stuff. But yeah, I agree with you. Jenna is older. She's the only queer one. She's um, definitely way more famous. And I think famous in a certain way that's bringing prestige and I think bringing back a lot of old viewers, a lot of the, um, oh God, what did Bravo call them? It was so annoying. Uh, oh God, I don't know. Exist it was like a inf it was like an influencer, but it was like rich. It was like, and, it, and I ruined my own joke. That's okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the kind of like upscale, audience that bravo is into like i think jenna is responsible for bringing those people back and i think that the show needs jenna more than it needs any of the other women and yeah i think they definitely feel that and i think that they're coming for them but also what i find fascinating about the season and about jenna is all the other women are on their playing housewives and jenna is just trying to be herself like they said just be yourself and jenna said okay i'll do that and so she's just like doing what she would do and acting like she would act and i think the rest of them especially bryn and especially Sai, are like playing housewives and like i don't like that i just want you to be you like i don't want you to fight about the cheese like hang out for a while find out what you actually hate about her and then fight about that <laughs> you know like, fighting about whether or not she wanted to fly first class or coach, it's, like, dumb. But if if we're playing into the argument, which I definitely think I am, that there is a sense that Jenna isn't, um, Jenna doesn't have to play the game in the ways that they do, isn't, I don't want to fly coach and you guys have to fly coach, doesn't that connect to that argument? Like, where the idea is that these women, that, like, you're thinking to yourself, like, 
well, I was okay with doing this thing. This other person obviously was not and doesn't feel like she needs to lower herself to being on the same flight that we are on. Like, you could certainly make the argument that they didn't think about it first, but also it doesn't that play directly into what it appears they're upset about. Well, I agree with Bryn in that part of the fun of going on a girl's trip is traveling with the girls, you know, or any friend trip. It's like getting there, getting stuck, flight being delayed, you know, whatever. That's like part of the journey and that she should have been a part of that. But I don't think that, I think that, you know, and they also want Jenna to be open and honest with them, but then they like attack her for this. And so I think the reaction shouldn't have been like, Jenna, we're really annoyed that you flew business. It should have been like, I know you haven't been on a girl's trip before. You don't know the rules, but we want to spend time with you and we want to hang out with you. And so, you know, we really would have, you know, it would have been a lot to us if you had been on the trip with us, regardless of whatever, blah, 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 I think would have elicited more of a reaction from Jenna and furthering their relationship as opposed to now she's like withdrawing. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony, 
It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Does that make sense? It does. But don't you think that Jenna is aware of that? Like, I think her this is her middle ground, because if you take out the idea of the show and like, you know, ultimately the fights on Housewives are about the making and production of Housewives, Jenna wouldn't be on a girl's trip. Like she has said that, like, this isn't her thing. This isn't her vibe. So her middle ground is like going two days early for to me, understandable, absolutely valid reasons because of what she has experienced through her chronic health condition. Totally understand, absolutely respect and appreciate. And also the fact that she's all, she already knows she's going to be uncomfortable on a girl's trip. She's probably thinking about Hamptons. She's probably thinking about the ways that she felt isolated and made fun of and criticized at a different level than everybody else. So her way of being like, I'm going to give you, meaning like the people behind the camera, you know, a sense of me participating in this if I feel like I am comfortable, including in this three hour flight. Like the problem here, I think, is that at its core, Jenna wouldn't be on this except for the this. And so the way that she can kind of make it work is to feel as comfortable as possible, including in feeling relaxed by being there two days before and including in taking a different flight. Well, it, it, now it's reminding me of Aviva. Remember when she went to St. Yes. Bart's and she had to fly with the husband because she wouldn't fly and yeah. whatever. But then she showed up and she was like, I expected a banner. Whereas like Jenna's just being like, I, I'm sorry, here. I'm right. real. Like I, yeah, I think Jenna is being really vulnerable. And I, I, I do agree with you. Like this was Jenna's compromise. Like I I'm really uncomfortable doing this. I'm really self-conscious. And I thought it was great. And something we've never heard before on Housewives saying like, these are a bunch of beautiful women and I am very self-conscious being around them, which I think is very relatable to everybody watching the show. And yeah, and I think that that was her compromise. And I feel like the women were very ungenerous with the way they were reading the situation, which was, oh, Jenna just needs a fancier seat when it was, oh, this is going to be really hard for her. She needs time to acclimate. 100%. And that is such a great point because I think the idea of like self-love, you know, women are beautiful, yada, yada, yada. When it comes to the experience of being a woman and being a housewife, like if someone expresses that there's some sort of discomfort or sensitivity have often the response is like, you are so beautiful. We want to like build you up and celebrate you. And that is all fine and good. But 
the redirect that I feel like is happening with some members of the cast is like, we are dismissing and minimizing your feelings about yourself by being like, but you're beautiful. So like you shouldn't have this feeling instead of we're here to support you and we understand like maybe ideally there's like a little minute of taking a breath, but if you're in the cast with Jenna Lyons and you already have this idea of, or maybe your own sensitivity that like she's above the way that other people might perceive me in my head because she's so well known. She's well known to everybody on that cast. Like these are women who knew who Jenna Lyons was. Which is a great point because it's not like this person is coming in and I'm aware that they are well known or successful. It's like, no, I know literally that they are. I know who they are. I know several women in the cast are in the fashion world. Um, just from like a style icon perspective, there's that too. And so that is a li- that is baggage that you're bringing with you. And also on top of that, I think it's going to be challenging for Jenna because she said out loud to Erin, I don't want to fly coach. That is going to right. be difficult because on top of this, I'm not discounting or discarding how she feels. But if you are saying out loud, I don't want to do this thing because I don't I just don't want to do it. There is an understandable human reaction that a lot of people would feel that maybe they were okay doing it or they made peace, God forbid, with like not being on a flight that had business or first available. That's like, wait a second, but I was okay doing it. So what does that say about me in contrast to you? Just by the fact that she said it out loud, I do think that there is understandable reasons why people in the cast would be pissed because how else do you not, how do you not immediately connect? Wait a second. Does that mean that I am not that like from the perspective of like, she doesn't want to do it because she feels like she's above it. Well, wait a second. I did do it. So what does that mean about me in the eyes of Jenna? I don't know. See, I never read it as, oh, I have to fly coach or I have to fly business. I always read it as I wanted to go early anyway. And then I found out if I went early, I could fly business. And so I'm going to do that because that was like the final, you know, that was the cherry on the Sunday. And I think that Aaron did her dirty when she retold it. It, Because first of all, Aaron's like, oh, we want Jenna to open up. And then as soon as Jenna gets her confidence, she fucking runs to the other women and rats her out for clout. And then the way she told it was like, Jenna was like, I don't fly coach, which was never like how Jenna, like, I'm curious to see how the other women will feel when they see how she delivered it. I'm also really curious about Jenna's second season if we get like you know like once because like you said she never should have fucking said it but so like once Jenna knows not to say this shit she knows how she's going to be perceived she knows how the other women are talking about her like whatever she knows how the fans think about her like 
how does that come back next year? And like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. And if she feels like in the middle of filming her first season, she feels like maybe she's stumbling or feels like she might be a dud or whatever else and is celebrated by the audience. Does that mean she's going to hold herself in like a tighter position? Or does that mean that she feels like, oh, well, you can go fuck yourself because I know that I'm celebrated. So like, I'm going to continue to Keep doing me and in this trustful exercise of how will I be perceived once episodes start to air, maybe this will continue to work out well for me. And, you know, as she said, she's got a fucking ton of money and she doesn't want to be uncomfortable. And if she's already dealing with feeling uncomfortable and she can take another flight and get two days of actual vacation because these trips are talk about Labor Day. These trips are a real labor for the cast. It's not just like fun surroundings. You know what the expectations are when you guys are together 24-7. Yeah, if you can afford to do it, you know, you do you. Do it. Yeah. Well, and I loved the conversation between Pavit and Jessel and like everybody else on Twitter. I love their relationship. But my favorite part was when she was like, what are you doing? You're just going to Vietnam to hang out by yourself. And he goes, what are you doing? You're just going to hang out with your friends. It's like, no, she's going to work. Yes. Like, this is a work trip. Like, yeah, they're sitting around in a luxury villa, but... It is not easy. It is not relaxing. It is not fun. It is work. And so fuck you, Pavit. But also let him go to fucking Vietnam for three days to eat a sandwich. Who cares? Oh, I would be I would be pissed if my husband was leaving me with, I guess, my staff or whatever. And two young kids, I would not be thrilled about him not having the conversation with me and just deciding I'm doing this thing. I would not be thrilled about that. And maybe a part of that too would be me being like, I don't, first off, I didn't think about it, that idea because I didn't think that I could just run off for three days regardless right. of a flight expiring. I mean, I wouldn't receive that well if I was Jessel. I'd be like, but when fuck he, you. <laughs> he, he lost me though when she was like, What am I gonna do with the kids? And he was like, Well, that's on you. It's like, oh no, no, you're going on the vacation. Mm-hmm. You fucking hire a nanny for three days while you're fucking gone for your wife. That's what you do. Like Yeah, yeah. there was there's some weird fucking shit in their in their marriage that I think we will see more of even in just like how she describes the experience of watching it and hearing other people's reactions to it when they film the reunion. But before that, obviously, there are some complications that are playing out in the cast. And I don't think this is going to get better for Jenna. I don't think that. No, it's hard because like I understand their frustration, but also you're equalizing what she's what she's discussed as being like an extreme sensitivity that through her perspective is an awareness of how uncomfortable she can be when in situations where there isn't a lot of clothing and she has a lot that she's working through just in even treating it, her dental surgeries, everything else. Oh my God, those surgeries like terrible. terrible. And I saw I saw social, I don't remember how this lines up in the timeline, but I remember obviously well after we knew that she had been cast, like she was having a dental surgery and shared like before and after photos or video. And it is extremely intense. And like the ways that the cast is very focused on the flight stuff 
feels like they're equalizing that to the, but you're beautiful, so you should just be fine, diminishing and minimizing what she has experienced because of her health challenges is not great like we're we're doing like an apples to apples thing on New York right now and it's it's not ideal I'm gonna say that it's not ideal and that's such a good way to describe it with them just being like oh well you're beautiful so it should be fine as like instead of like recognizing her like trauma um but I'm wondering who do you think is going to have the biggest disconnect between on New York between how she sees herself and how the fans see her. Like who is getting a rude awakening based on the responses from the fandom? I honestly I feel like the obvious answer which I'm not going to say would be Jessel because I think it's complicated because I think one of the reasons that people are like anointing her as a queen is because she's somewhat oblivious. And I don't know. So it's like a lot of the critique is actually coming. A lot of the critique is coming from the audience, but also coming from the cast. I don't know that this is going to make any sense. And I am not standing so strong in it that I wouldn't change my mind in three seconds. But I think probably Sai thought she would be more of a breakout than she is. I don't know that Sai is coming out as like the breakout superstar in the the way she probably envisioned that she would be, which isn't a critique of her necessarily. It's just that there is there does seem to be a little bit of a disconnect between Sai and the audience, which I think is going to yes. be different when we see next week's episode where she's talking about her relationship with her mom and her mom's struggle with addiction and recovery. But just from the perspective of like, I am a girl boss, I'm a content creator, stop one second, I need to take 18 photos. I don't think that that is necessarily being celebrated maybe in the ways that Sai expected it would be. What's your reaction to that? And who would you choose? I would choose Aaron. Oh, great. Yep. Yep. I think Aaron surrounds herself with people who tell her she's great, mm-hmm. who tell her she's right, mm-hmm. who tells her she's pretty, who tells her she's mm-hmm. beautiful. She was the mean girl in every high school. And then she's going to read Twitter and they're going to be like, you fucking gave Trump all that money, you fucking bitch. You are wrong about this. You are wrong about that. You shouldn't have gone to catch. You should feed your guests. You should do whatever. And she's going to be like, I'm wrong. And it's like, yes, bitch, you're wrong about a lot, but no one will tell you you are. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest uh, rude awakening that we have going on. But I agree with what I see your point with Sai. Um, and I wish that Sai would lean into her funny a little bit. I need a little bit more funny from this cast because we're getting, like you said, unintentional funny from Jessel because she has no clue what's going on. Um, but, and Bryn's funny, but it's all like stupid sex jokes that aren't really that funny. Um, like, but I feel like Sai can be fun. Like when Sai was like, can you take us to provisions? That shit was funny. Like, I want more of that where it's like a kind of bitchy, funny Sai. Yeah. And it can't only and ever be the through line of like, Aaron doesn't feed people and I'm hangry. Like there surely is other stuff there. We need new jokes. We need new jokes. And I think (laughs) you could say that about like several people in the house, noting that we're like three up. I know we're not literally three episodes in, but like we're little bebe steps into this franchise. I'm, I'm overall extremely happy with it. You know, 
it's unfortunate that I like watched Atlanta first and then New York because Atlanta didn't feel like it was giving me housewives and New York felt like it was giving me housewives in that there was like storyline happening that I was interested in. And I didn't I sort of didn't care about whether or not I agreed with someone's behavior. I was just I just enjoyed the app. Like there's that. And I think this is what's true about Atlanta, like you said earlier, is it's boring. And But there have been boring seasons of Housewives that I happily stuck around for because I enjoy being with these people. Like, even if there's not a lot happening on New York right now, I enjoy these women. Yeah. I enjoy having new women to talk shit about. I enjoy having Jenna Lyons, who I love. I enjoy having Aaron, who I fucking hate. Like... You know, and so it's like, if it's boring, I'll still watch it. With Atlanta, there's like no one I like except for Kenya and Candy and they both don't care. So like, yeah, if you're going to be boring, at least be likable. I mean, most of Beverly Hills was boring (laughs) for a number of years. I used to call it rich women doing things because it was just the rich women doing things. But like, I loved all those rich women and I'm glad they did things. And so... I think that's another problem we have to face with Atlanta. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting back to New York, I mean, I do just want to say, like, if I was in the cast with Jenna, would I be annoyed by her not wanting to fly coach. I I am sure that I would be. So it's like, I am not, I don't want to just drag everybody else but Jenna because all of these women could fly first business or whatever if they wanted to they just didn't feel the need which for a three-hour flight I mean it's like you're in the air and then 45 minutes goes by and then you're ready for the plane to land so like was that necessary maybe in Jenna's life it is Half the time on business for a flight that short what it's going to be is there's not going to be like lie flat Oh, excuse me. It's not going to be live flat seats. It's going to be like three seats across and there's just no one sitting in the middle. So like, A, who cares? But also to give people a little background information, I'm sure you know this because you have read my book 17 times. Amen. Cover, especially in the closet. Especially the sentence that she, the quotes that she's in. But um, so for these trips, they only get a coach ticket. Like that's what Bravo oh gives them. Yes. And if they want to fly business, they have to upgrade right. at their own expense. Right. So, yeah. So the the thing here was like, Sai or somebody said there was no business on the flight that they were taking. And so, yeah. So they didn't even have a, uh, uh, the option of upgrading if they wanted to. But, you know, there, there wouldn't have been an upgrade anyway. So... Yeah, because I feel like for some of these casts, obviously there are jets, but that's happening with like Sutton or that's happening because of Diana on Beverly Hills. Like, but I also think for some of these group events that they or group trips that they are being flown business. Like I've seen these women taking videos of themselves in at the front of the plane like that does happen. I feel I feel like they they might be able to negotiate that yeah. like in their contracts or there might now be like if you're gonna fly us to dubai you can't fly me to fucking dubai and coach you know what i mean like if you're gonna fly so far whatever but yeah that's what i was told by several producers is if you see them in business it's because they paid with 
they paid for themselves. They upgraded themselves. I do. One way or another. I do also have to say, I have flown first class exactly once in my life. I had been in on a family vacation to Miami South Beach, which I pre-COVID did like once a year. It ended up being a nightmare trip. There was some medical stuff that happened. It was extremely stressful. And uh, I remember like being at, at one point, like being able to steal away to the beach and lying on the beach and being like, I need a vacation from this. And then I was going back to New York and they were doing up. I have no points or anything like I'm truly nothing, but it was you could upgrade on whatever fucking plane I was on from like whatever it was to first from steerage to first for like a hundred or like a hundred and fifty dollars or something for this like three and a half hour flight or whatever it was and I said absolutely I am and I was on first for that couple hours and I will say it was magical even though it was such a goddamn quick flight that like what are you doing but I just wanted to be taken care (laughs) of and have champs and I needed the person next to me to show me how to like (laughs) the table or whatever because I was so obviously not meant to be there that I was like can someone show me like how what a chair means in for because I didn't know how to do a fucking thing but it was just like a little bit of a moment to hashtag treat yourself which I also you know I could argue it was a waste of money but like people you know whatever you want to do to feel good but for a three-hour flight exactly it's, it's such a nothing burger it's just a it's a status symbol at that point like what's uh, you can't sit and coach for th- I guess you can't if you've made so much money you feel like you don't need to I get it but I just uh, I felt I did in that moment I felt I did Remember when um, Katie Maloney got real mad because Schwartz got upgraded and she didn't? And she, (laughs) my husband does that to me all the time. Are you fucking kidding? (laughs) That is grounds for divorce. I would be like, if you love me and this came through you, your points, you should give that to me all the time. I would, I would be a no question. I, he is a Jenna. He refuses to fly coach on. Yeah, under uh, like extreme circumstances, he will. But uh, yeah, because I'm like, if we're flying to Madrid, which from our house is like in London, an hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah, like who cares? Just right. sit with anybody. Yeah, but he, yeah, and so he got upgraded once. Um, and so he was in coach. We were flying from London to LA, which is a ten hour flight, and he, um, so he was in in business and I was in coach and I was on the window so I fell asleep and my husband hasn't been like in the coach section oh, in my god like, 20 years you know like because he travels mostly for work and so they're paying for it and he has shit tons of miles because he travels so much and whatever and um so he I wake up and there's just like bags of snacks in my lap <laughs> And I'm like, what happened? And then I get off the flight and I meet my husband and he was like, oh my God, it's terrible back there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I thought I'd be nice and like bring you the snacks from business class, like to coach. And, but then I got back there and I got so scared that you were asleep when I found you. I just threw the snacks on your lap and then ran back to business class. (laughs) I would be like, you're never getting fucked ever again. I would be so, I don't even think, I think, you know, it's a great flight if you get to choose your seat. Like I'm not, I've never been in a position from a work perspective, you know, I'm not, I haven't been in a role where I did a lot of work travel where somebody else is picking up the bill. I always have myself. 
I don't think of flights as needing to be a luxury. I think the luxury is you get to travel somewhere. Like I, but I get it. If you have the money and you've, and whomever's dying, yeah. you know, have been treated a certain way, why would you deign to be in the middle of the plane when you, you know, want to be first row? I mean, I think it's stupid, but like, People could think that my obsession with dresses and jewelry is nuts. Like it's everybody has their own thing. I just, you know, flights are not mine. Can I tell you an annoying um, first class story? Oh, please. Let's hear from your experiences, money bags. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, so my husband flies so much for work. He ha- He's um, on American. He's the status called concierge key. Oh and my it's like, god, I hate him. So now I'm going to start to care now after this. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and it's like the tippity tippity top. Like you have to be invited <sighs> into it, and 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 they renew it like every year. And so, um, and it's like crazy. The concierge, you and he get he has so much status from concierge that I have. He gifted me like the highest status. Anyway, so when you're concierge key, you get a person Ugh. who will escort you Ugh. to the plane. And so like if you're in the lounge and so like we were in Dallas once and they were like, which is a huge airport. And they were like, oh, do you want to ride to the gate? And my husband was like, yes. And so they brought one of the carts with the blinking light on the back of it just to drive us from the lounge to the gate. And so we we're on the back of the pit and I started giving a little like Princess Diana wave, and he, which I thought was hilarious. And he was like, stop it, stop it. And I was like, girl, you need to calm down. Anyway, so last Christmas, we were flying to LA to... um be with his family. I think we were flying either on Christmas Eve or on Christmas day because we like booked everything last minute and whatever. And so we get to our gate and they're like the concierge key lady. Cause she has a sign with your, that says concierge key. So you can go talk to her. She's like, Oh, the flight's being delayed. You should go back to the lounge. I'll come get you when it's ready. Um, I just have you two and one other person. So we're like, okay. So we go back to the lounge and we see the other person is Rami Malik, the <gasps> actor. So then we're in the lounge and we're like sitting by Rami Malik, like waiting to get picked up to take him back to, to the flight. And so we go to the flight and we're a little bit late. So people are already getting on. And so there's a line like out of the plane up the jetway. So the concierge key lady goes, let me take care of this. And so we start going and Remy Malik is like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> don't put this on Twitter. I don't want anyone to see this. And she just starts walking down the, the lane going, move to the right, move to the right, move to the right. And moves everybody out of the way. And then we walk right onto the plane with Rami Malik, who has like the biggest hood oh he God, could find so like over his head. Yeah, like, does not want anyone posting on Instagram that Rami Malik cut them in line for their Christmas Day fly. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, this is obnoxious, but also, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> that is literally the mission statement of Demois, is to capture that moment and share with a million people that Rami Malik was such a diva that he refused to, someone needed to carry him across the threshold of the plane in order to buckle him into his seat. I mean, 
But I, I want to want to know it was not Rami Malik. It was my husband. My husband <laughs> insisted that they clear the line to get us on the plane. First off, I love that. And I also, this is the reminder to myself when I think of like, why would a person want all the bells and whistles of like, because I just think like it's a money that you can spend on other stuff. I'm thinking it's either or and the whole purpose for flying seemingly these elevated experiences is because it's not for many people either or it's and like the the impression is I have enough money to spend on this and also an awful lot it's it's the ways that some people treat cars is like I am going to spend a bajillion dollars on cars and maybe live in like a piece of shit or it's the fact that I can spend a million dollars on cars because imagine what my house looks like so it's it's not the status symbol in and of itself it's the um um, illusion or or genuine introduction to another person's lifestyle, which is in and of itself. I mean, hello, housewife storyline, like nothing else. Brian Moylan, <laughs> I could talk to you. Fly me to the moon every time that we sit down for an AG chat. I couldn't be happier. I mean, I mean I just always a dream, always a joy, always a delight. You need to get your ass to New York so we can do a little turtle time at the Regency the next time you're in town. Um, oh, I would love that. Last time I was in town, I got to see Sarah Galley live. That was it. We'll talk about that offline. That was a day. <laughs> that was a day. I had a great time. Good. I'm so thankful. Thank you, um, Dean yeah, Brian. You're welcome. I mean, I was have I was having a moment in my in my head. I was having a little bit of a, a New York City day, <laughs> shall we say? Um, Ooh, girl. I know how those go. Brian Moylan, tell the folks where they can buy your book, which is always on display, on display, on display, each and every day, every day, every day. You know I die for it. It is the official tome of all things Housewives, talking about the history of Housewives, the psychology of Housewives, all that and more. It's my my absolute favorite long form book, novel, gift to the universe. Tell people where they can buy it. Follow you on social and subscribe to a certain institute newsletter that they can read. Yes. The next one comes out on Friday. Uh, it's a monthly newsletter. It's called it's uh, you can sign up for it at vulture.com slash housewives. And then I do most of the housewives and Southern charm and be- uh, all that bullshit, all the Bravo bullshit. Recaps. Um, you talk about Vul- it. You recap recaps. It. Yeah. Yeah, on Vulture, um, and those go up right after the episode airs. You can buy my book everywhere books are sold. I think it's like one ninety nine on Kindle. So, yeah, break the bank, sister. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can find me on all social media platforms at Brian J Moylan. Even like Blue Sky and Mastodon and those oh fucking God. weird ones. I don't know what any of those mean. I guess that's just for people who fly business in first. Um, you guys, <laughs> speaking of the absolute most luxurious of journeys, join the Andy Scrolls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. There are two bonus episodes up now, two and a half hours of content. And those two bonus episodes are specific, by the way, to Bethany and Rachel's sit down. Follow me on on Instagram at Dame Galley and send me your satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about Atlanta, about Orange County, about New York, because I'm excited to record a Patreon satchel spectacular soon. Dame Brian, from one dame to another, a truly a royal wave goodbye. Just an honor and a thrill Everybody as loves always. Everybody loves a dame. Everybody loves a dame, including these two. 
right now. Yay! Thanks to all of you for listening, and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye! 